Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the How Was School podcast, where we want to help you build a culture of lively conversations in your home. And we want those conversations to be truly meaningful, informed by the truth that is found in scripture, relevant to you and your family, and full of life and joy. This podcast is here to bring you some inspiration, biblical content, and practical ideas for making that happen. I'm Josiah. I'm a dad of three and a youth pastor. And I'm Michael, also dad of three and children's pastor. Last month, we started with a topic that wasn't too complicated, but it was really foundational. We discussed how to talk to your kids about reading the Bible and how to do that in a really fruitful way that glorifies God. If you missed it, make sure you check it out after this one. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I, w- I went through the, uh, the discussion guide with my kids this month, and it was more encouraging than I thought, because you don't think kids are watching. And I do some of my reading in scripture, the tangible, like hard copy. And then sometimes I do it on my phone. And there was a morning where I wanted to kind of go through these questions with my boy. And and I was like, what am I doing right now? He's like, you're reading the Bible. And I was so glad that he said that I was reading the Bible and not on like social media. And like he attributes the phone to social media or ignoring him, but rather an intentional like moment that I'm, you know, in the morning with God. So I thought it was really good. Uh, My kids kind of were rest, they can't read yet. So like they, it's hard for them to grasp this kind of stuff, but we do Bible reading, we do books. So yeah, it was, it was pretty easy for me because my kids don't read yet. Yeah, nice. We went through the last month's discussion questions too. And it was really cool. I was kind of thinking like, this is a good podcast. Because <laughs> I took just straight, actually, I mean, even though we wrote them, I just took the questions straight from the sheet and my wife and I went right through them with our, mostly our six-year-old and our two-year-old chimed in with jibber jabber here and there. But um, it was really cool with Silas. He, when we asked if if he knows that we read our Bibles, he knew that mom did and he didn't know that dad <laughs> like, did. What does my dad, the pastor, do for a living? I and I was like, really? You don't yeah. know that I read the Bible? It was funny, but... Um, so what was his favorite story? His favorite story was pretty cool. It was the Paul and Silas story because that's got his yeah, name in sweet. it. I was curious if I asked Sarah, I said, did he listen to last month's podcast? Because he was saying some of the things that Heidi had said about that story yeah. in the last podcast. And I guess it was on in the background, but we're both pretty sure that it really is his favorite story too. And I was yeah. really impressed with how much he knew it. Probably has a lot to say for the kids ministry here at church that he knew that story really well. Yeah. I don't know if it was like cheating a little bit or like maybe it's just like the season we're in. But my kid said it was like the birth of Jesus. Like that story. Oh, nice. like, oh convenient for this month. <laughs> yeah, thanks kids. But yeah, I mean, it's an amazing story. Yeah. I learned some stuff about my wife in the conversation. I learned a lot about Silas and he learned from us. It was really fun. It's, I see these conversation guides as like muscle building. Like if you're yeah. going to the gym, it's funny because it's yeah. in the home. And then we give you these discussion guides that are formal <laughs> um, and like read the question and answer it. But out of those is going to spur more and more conversations. You're going to be more and more comfortable having conversations together about meaningful things. And then as we dive into deeper topics like this month, once you exercise these muscles more, it really kind of breaks the ice for some things that are just hard to talk about. So some things actually are really helpful to have a discussion guide to make you talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so this month, uh, we're going to dive really deep into a question and it goes really theologically deep and actually pretty emotionally yeah. deep too. So before we get too heavy, I want to tell you a little story, just a snapshot of my life as a dad.
So we have a newborn baby at home, and she's two months old. And just a couple weeks ago, we had a night that I'll probably never forget as a dad. It was just a wild night. So we, as soon as the new baby came home, our two-year-old very conveniently stopped sleeping through the night and started coming down into our room every night. So we're waking up pretty regularly to feed the new baby. We're waking up pretty regularly to deal with Jovi and whatever she needs. We stopped bringing her back to her room and she started sleeping on our floor. And we're like, we're just too tired to bring her up there. So Jovi's on the floor. June is needing food. And then Silas, our six-year-old, for some reason that night woke up also with a bad dream or something. And we're just tired parents right now. So we're not like making him go back to his room either. So he's on our floor. Jovi's on our floor. June's in her crib crying. And our room is tiny. It's like not that much bigger than our bed. So I got up and I fed June that night with a bottle. And um, we kind of take shifts. So Sarah was sleeping pretty well, as well as you can in that situation. And I come back in and I like change the diaper of the newborn baby in one of those those pajamas that are just covered in buttons, like 5,000 buttons. <laughs> the worst. I am convinced that whoever made those pajamas hates parents. He has like, to. <laughs> has to. Like, how can we get them at their worst? Like, when they're really tired in the middle of the night, what, we could, what could we do to make their life terrible? Let's add 45 buttons. Like, not even in, like, any sort of straight line, but, like, curving around the legs. <laughs> so that while they're standing there with their eyes half open, they're trying to button up. Anyways, I'm yes, sorry. That was so the shout out to the zipper guy. Whoever <laughs> yeah. could, like, Amen. Praise God for that. Hallelujah, guy. zipper guy. Anyway, so I got all that taken care of and I'm walking through the room and I thankfully I put June down in her crib and then I stepped over Jovi and then I stepped right on Silas's face. <laughs> <laughs> like right on his face. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so sad. Like you just, it's the worst <laughs> feeling on your foot to like feel human <laughs> face. <laughs> and so he like wakes up crying, of course, anybody would. So he wakes up crying loud, which wakes up Jovi next to him crying loud. Cause she's a sympathy crier. She doesn't even have to get hurt to cry. So she's crying loud. And then as soon as like the commotion happened, Sarah leaps out of bed. Cause she thought I had dropped the newborn baby <laughs> in the process. So she hops out of bed and flips the light on. And so it's like two in the morning and everybody's crying. Well, I'm not crying, but <laughs> Sarah probably wasn't crying either, but she was panicked that I dropped the baby. <laughs> and it was like, I don't actually remember what time it was. I, it took a while to get peace back in our house that night. Well, I, <laughs> I think every parent can relate to something like that. I, I don't know about, you know, feeling a face on the bottom of your foot is one of them. But, but dude, that's an awesome story. He that was, was really totally fun. fine. No bruises yeah, or anything. Okay. So thankfully, it was like probably the Lord's protection. So let's go a little bit deeper now. This month, we want to point you towards a conversation that's a little bit harder to have because it requires a little bit more wrestling with theology. It also requires some self-reflection going into your past and into your kids' psychology a little bit. Hmm. And it's really actually pretty vulnerable. 
The question that we got came again from a middle schooler from my youth group. Actually, this one came from several middle schoolers throughout the course of my couple years that I've been asking yeah. for questions. This one has probably come up the most often, and it's to my surprise. Uh, and the question is, how do I know that I'm not disappointing God? Wow. Yeah. And and that question really can cut deep, doesn't it? Definitely. There's a lot of questions behind that question. I think that's yeah. why. Like, what kind of God is God? Is he mm-hmm. possible to please? How do we please him? How much are actions tied into his approval or disapproval of us? Exactly. And then psychologically, it begs the question, like how much is my understanding of God tied to the picture of him that I've received from my parents? Yeah. So we're going to spend a few minutes now talking it through. We want to equip you in a couple ways to have good conversations with your family. And one of them is with some biblical insight and some theological discussion so that you don't have to think of it for the first time while you're having these conversations with your kids. Yeah. And I mean, this is a fun topic in a way because it it puts you in that spot of vulnerability, of, of being honest with each other. And there's a lot that comes with this kind of question, like you were talking about earlier. Like, I know when we feel like we're a disappointment to God, there's feelings that get attached to it, whether it's, you know, disgrace or distorted self-image, shame, guilt, anger. It's all connected to a feeling like we are a disappointment and that the mistakes that we've made define us. And I'm going to the verse, Romans 5, 8, that God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the reason I put that out is we are not a disappointment to God because we are not a disappointment to Christ. Amen. He sought us out and loved us out of his mercy and grace to to die for us, even when we were messing up, he knew it. Mm -hmm. So I think the encouraging thing is that that we could take away from that is despite all of the pain, healing can happen. And there's there's hope when we feel like we've been a disappointment to God. There is hope in that. His grace gives us the ability to be restored and to be healed and to recreate a new sense of what love looks like, which, you know, when we feel disappointed, we have a very distorted view of love, I think. And if we don't understand what love actually is, and if our understanding of love doesn't have any roots or depth, when we begin to talk about it, we we can't speculate it and it's, it's indistinguishable. It's hard to grasp. So it's important to know what God's love is and how it relates to us in our lives and our emotions. So when we try to earn all of his favor, just so that he will love us based on what we have done, it's not love at all. Hmm. And it's not love if it balances on whether we have acted or performed accordingly. So his perfect initiating love is and never was based off of us, but rather his pursuit of us and choosing of us before the foundation of the world. Hmm. We are his adopted children and he will not let us go. Wow. That's the thing we need to remember in not like being a disappointment to God. Yeah, that's so, so, so good. So if our foundation is deeply rooted in the truth that I am loved by God, yeah, then this question becomes a little less scary. Um, mm-hmm. But still worth hashing out. There's probably a lot we can dive into. But yeah, I love that, man. It's the pursuit of Christ for us that makes it possible for us to have the approval of God. Yeah. So like what happens when we do things that displease God? Because that's that's what begs the question, how do I know that I'm not disappointing God? Mm -hmm. And it's 
two-sided a little bit because like we should repent and sin grieves the heart of the Lord, but at the same time, we are still accepted. You know, yeah. Romans 2, it talks about that his kindness leads us to repentance, right? Yeah, it's interesting when I get these questions from middle schoolers because there's an assumption here in the question itself. How do I know I'm not disappointing God? The assumption is I'm not really disappointing God. But is there ever a time where we wow. are? Like, are we ever disappointing to God? And so, uh, yeah, like, I think this is so worth hashing out. And that verse from Romans 2, 4, that it says kindness that leads us to repentance, to me is what I hang on. Like, for yeah. me, I love the fact, I truly love the fact that He wants to correct me. Yeah. That He wants to discipline me. That He wants to make me better. That's tough, man. Right? Because yeah. if I didn't have a father in heaven who wanted to make me better, I'd never get better. That's right. <laughs> and I'd never get free and I'd never grow and mature. So it takes some maturity to say that. Like, I'm not saying I'm mature. I'm just saying yeah. like a little kid doesn't like the discipline. And in the moment, we don't always like it either, but it's a kindness. It's a favor of the Lord to do that for us. And I would actually go further. I don't think I'm going further than scripture, but I think I'm yeah. going further than um, what people often interpret that verse to mean. I think it's also the manner in which he leads us to repentance is kind. Wow. So not only is he doing us a kind favor by changing us, but the way he does it, at least in my experience, in some very real experiences in my life, has been in such a kind way. So in my own personal experience, I've had times where God has needed to correct me and when I've been in tune enough to hear his voice, it's been like such a beautiful thing. Like, my son, your health yeah. is at risk here. Please make a change, you know? Or if you keep going down this path, you're not going to be thriving the way I want you yeah. to. And so sometimes it might have some really uncomfortable consequences and all yeah. that. But I think that verse that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance is what I hang on in a conversation like this. Because yeah, sometimes I will do some stuff that God doesn't like. That's yeah. called sin. We all do it. That's right. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Like you just explained, Michael, that mm -hmm. that's not keeping God away from pursuing us. Yeah. Even though I've done things for sure today that have disappointed God, I can hang on the truth that he's pursuing me in this relationship that's going to correct me. So am I a complete disappointment to him in a kind of way where he would abandon me? Hmm. Never. But am I? are my actions disappointing to him? Yeah, sometimes. And he wants to pursue me with kindness to make that change in my life. Absolutely. I mean, Romans 5.20 talks about where sin increases, grace abounds. Hmm. So no matter how deep we think we are in the hole, his grace goes so much deeper. Mm. But you talked about the the consequences part of it because that's the reality of what sin does. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's forgiven. And for those who are in Christ, the punishment is on the cross. But that doesn't mean that when we sin, nothing happens. It's just, we can do whatever we want because we're under grace. Paul talks about that. Mm. But I mean, two examples that come to my head were mm. David, who was known as man after God's own heart. I mean, he did terrible things in his life. Mm. Um, the most obvious would be the relationship with Bathsheba and him killing her husband and going to war because of it and mm. lying. And that one sin 
there was consequences of it and it, it broke the kingdom. So it meant like he wasn't going to be there to establish the temple. That was going to be his son. His baby would die because of it. But then after all of that, God still calls him man after his own heart. And that's a beautiful thing. Like there is sin, God knows it, but he's also after us. So like, we're not just robots with, without emotion. He knows the struggles that we're going to be going through. Even with the apostle Peter, when he denied Christ, left Jesus at the cross to hang there. Mm-hmm. But then right before that, he said, you will establish my church. And then he goes on with all boldness after the death and resurrection of Christ to mm-hmm. preach. And you know, you see thousands get saved based off of Peter's example. So all that to say is we do sin and we do mess up, but it's not out of God's awareness or intentionality. Like he, he's not going to regret saving us based mm-hmm. off of something that we've done because he knew it. Yeah. Um, and that's the encouraging thing. Yeah, that's so good. I think both those stories, David and Peter, both show us the truth that God doesn't, like, I think behind this question is, does is God going to give up on me? Yeah. And both of these stories say, no, God's right. not going to give up on you. We are never a disappointment to God so much that he says, uh, I'm I'm done with that one. Yeah. Because, yeah, if anybody should, it'd be David or Peter or Paul. Yeah, yeah. so but everybody. that's against the gospel. I mean, you see <laughs> yep. at Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that we are saved by grace through faith alone. It is all a gift of God. And we didn't earn it. Because yeah. if you can earn it, you can lose it. Yeah. But the, the beauty of grace is it's something that isn't deserved. It came yeah. out of nowhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just out of his initiating love. Yeah. And I think what our fear is, is that we we could do stuff so bad that we become yeah. bad and become just rejectable, right? Yeah. And that's how we live our lives with other relationships, human relationships. I think we do this all the time that we try to get the approval of other people because we're afraid yeah. that they're going to reject me if I mess up too much. And so this question that people are asking, it's probably in your heart at some point in your mm-hmm. life. It's been in my heart. Am I like a disappointment to God so much that he would like reject me? And the answer is just always no to that question because mm-hmm. of the way that he created us. He's the one that designed us and he sees our potential. So he like, he believes in you. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the trap a lot of people get in. And so one of my favorite books by C.S. Lewis is called Screw Tape Letters. And it's just a bunch of different ways that the enemy the adversary of God, Satan, will will try to influence our behavior so we are distracted from the gospel. He loves it when we feel guilty. And I, I think, we, I mean, we talked about like the psychological part of this earlier, like our view of our parents and how they have treated us can potentially shape the way that we see God's grace and mercy towards us. Yeah. So if our you know mom or dad are constantly verbalizing to us, I'm disappointed in you, mm we will also translate that to our creator, mm-hmm. unfortunately at times, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot deeper question than mm-hmm. people think. Yeah, so that like begs the question, who is God? What kind of father is our God? And the, what I see written through scripture, all throughout scripture, is this loving, loving, amazing father, right? Jesus talks mm-hmm. about like, you wouldn't give your son a stone if they asked for bread. You'd give them bread because even you, evil people. So he's comparing 
decent fathers who are just like fallen people to the Father in heaven. Right. How much more is your Father in heaven going to give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I see a Father who just wa- who wants to give us abundant life. From John 10.10, 10, I've come. He came from heaven to earth so that we might have life and have it to the full. Right. I don't see like hanging our heads and feeling like a disappointment or a discouraged type life as what that abundant life is, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're not hanging our heads and beating ourselves up. His Spirit gives us this deep internal power to live boldly, joyfully, like with zeal, not not a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and of a love and of a sound mind from 2 Timothy. As a perfect father, he comes running towards us when we mess up. Remember the prodigal son story? Like picking up his robes and running towards his son to give him a huge embrace after he'd done everything to deserve being a disappointment, right? Um, But that's not the picture of the Father that we see in Scripture. He forgives us every single time we ask. Like it says in 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to forgive. He's getting that from Ephesians 6, 4, where he's telling fathers not to deflate or discourage your sons. Don't exasperate your sons is another translation. So if that's the father's instruction for us as fathers, we can just take it for granted that that's the kind of father that he is. He's not like he will correct us, but he's not going to deflate us. He's not going to discourage us on purpose. He's not going to ever give us even more than we can handle. And so he continues to believe in us and give us this courage to do more than we can imagine ourselves doing. Like we said about Peter, like he was this bumbling guy that kept messing up and Jesus had to correct him very sternly a couple of times. Uh, But he also like gave him the foundations of the church, gave him apostleship, gave him power to heal and Mm -hmm. cast out demons. And so that's the kind of father that I see all throughout scripture. And so when we ask that this question, am I a disappointment to God? And when we compare God to our own parents, let's remember the real picture from scripture and let that like heal you really. Yeah. Let me, I just got to share this real quick. Cause like this yeah. literally happened last night. Awesome. Um, every parent struggles with their kids, like putting them to bed sometimes, like some nights are easy, mm-hmm. uh, few and far in between. Um, but then a lot of them are, are difficult and challenging. So last night was one of those where I go to my boys and I say, hey, get upstairs, bedtime, go brush your teeth, yada, yada, yada. Hate bedtime. They don't like this. And you know, every parent, you get frustrated. I think that's also, side note, the beauty of parenting. You understand how anger and love does not mean the opposite of times, but like you're only angry towards those things that you do love. So like I did have this anger within me, but I was like, just go upstairs, brush your teeth, do it by yourself. And he goes up crying, my oldest son, Noah. And then I'm just sitting in silence on my couch, just like trying to calm down. I'm like, okay, how do I react? How do I want this next conversation to go? But before I go upstairs and initiate, Noah comes down the stairs and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know, do you want to talk about anything? He's like, yeah, I want to talk. So Noah comes and he apologizes for being disrespectful and disobedient to, you know, the rules that we established in our home to obey. And he apologized, but then I, I brought out the S word, which I don't usually do, but it's, (laughs) Uh (laughs) what is it? No, it's sin. I Uh I told my son straight up that he was sinning Hmm. and we've established the vocabulary in our house that that sin is a disobedience against God. Mm -hmm. Um, So that when Noah was disobeying me, not that I'm God, obviously, but disobedience 
is a sin. And he just broke down, mm-hmm. immediately started crying. And I immediately sobered up in that mindset, just understanding like the heart of a child. He was so innocent because mm-hmm. he starts crying and saying, does that mean I'm going to the bad place? Mm-hmm. He immediately wow. felt like by sinning, he is a disappointment. And that immediately means he's in the bad place, wow. you know, hell. Yeah. And I didn't think it would go there. I didn't anticipate the conversation going, but I think that if you don't properly have those conversations now, when they get older, it would really put roots within them that when they sin one time, Mm. 10 times, Mm -hmm. it's over for them. And what you just said, that's not the kind of God that God is. God is a forgiving, loving guy that lavishes his grace on us even when we don't deserve it. So that's yeah. just my like side little story that happened last night that I think can kind of relate to the story. So did a you bit. leave him hanging there? I left him hanging. No. <laughs> I, I told him that, you know, yeah. obviously God loves him. He forgives him. For those who are in Jesus, every sin has been taken on the cross so that when God sees us, he doesn't see us as poor sinners, but as a righteous Christ. Like he sees Jesus's righteousness in us. And obviously I'm trying to explain that to like a six year old. Um, But yeah, I just assured him that I loved him. And this is why we do this, but thanks be to God that he gives us that grace that no matter how many times we disobey, we're still under his grace. Wow. This, that's so encouraging to me after picking that question for this podcast that it's happening in your home yesterday. So I know we know there's, families out there, you've got kids that are asking these questions. You you may be hearing them ask them or they might just be deep in their mind. And you might personally need to wrestle through some of these questions yourself. And so I'm encouraged that we're having the conversation. Hopefully a little bit of theological groundwork here was uh, helpful for you. Like we said last month in this podcast, we don't want to just be completely theoretical. So how do we get practical and try this out, Michael. Yeah. So when you sit down and have the conversation with your son or daughter, um, grandchild even, here's a couple of ideas to, you know, possibly, you know, make that successful. Um, Obviously not like the silver bullet, but I think it's important that you are prepared to go into that conversation with some sort of biblical explanation of God's kindness towards his children. Mm. I mean, you could re-listen to this podcast. I mean, Josiah beautifully put those you know, passages together to be able to talk about God's love. So I think be prepared to know where God stands on this. Yeah, we'll put some verses that we suggest in the show notes too. Parents, be ready to tell your kids how it felt when your parents or other influential adults in your life were disappointed in you. I think it's a really great way Mm -hmm. to get this conversation started. So before the conversation you have about was God disappointed in us. Think of some positive examples of someone who was disappointed in a poor decision that you made, but then use that to help you grow and ultimately bring you encouragement. And also maybe think of some negative examples of adults who were disappointed in you and just left you discouraged. Yeah, I, I would also ask your child what it feels like when they think that you were disappointed in them. Mm-hmm. And something that parents need to know is, Humility is the soil in which a fruit-filled relationship grows. So if you want this conversation to go well in a positive direction, I think humility is a good place to start. Mm -hmm. So be honest about times where, you know, how they felt about certain situations that you may have approached it the wrong way. Yeah. You never want 
to be the parent that messed up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's so much better if like, wow, because all of Just us do. We, we're all that parent. Yes. <laughs> so it's so much better if along the way you're having the conversations about it than when they're 22 and they get counseling for the first time and realize my parents made all these mistakes and yeah. come back at you mad. And exactly. that's the first time you ever talked about it. Have the conversations now. I mean, some of you guys are in that boat, maybe. Some of you guys have the 22-year-old kid who's mad mm-hmm. at you and it's not too late. Uh, but for those who who aren't, who are have younger kids, yeah, yeah I, I would encourage you, be humble and ask these harder questions. It, it's, mm-hmm. it gets a little bit uncomfortable, but so worth ripping off the Band-Aid and watching the beauty of a healthy relationship with your kid grow. Exactly. And just some real quick practical advice. Go to the conversation with intentional words of affirmation, the kind of words that will give strength, courage, and confidence to your child. Let them know that you love them and that your love for them isn't conditional. These are words kids need to hear on a constant, regular basis. That's awesome. So again, on the podcast, we tried it out. We actually found some real life people to have this conversation. We gave them the advice that we actually just gave you. And then we gave them a discussion guide, which we're going to link in the show notes so that you have it also. And they worked through the discussion guide and it's beautiful. It's it's an awesome yeah. conversation between a father and a son. These are people that are I look up to. Like I would love to parent like Jason is parenting his kids. When you hear this, it might be like, wow, we're not having conversations at this level. I'm thinking that too. Like, wow, this level of conversation is really mature. Michael is a 17-year-old who could be a 26-year-old. He's just like beyond his years. So, it, But I think it's amazing to have some examples of really, really well-done conversations so that you guys can have something to work towards. It's, it's inspiring to me. So hopefully it's inspiring to you. Without further ado, take a listen to the conversation that Jason and Michael had. Hey, hold on. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Well, thanks. Ah! Magic device here. Okay. Uh, make yourselves comfortable. Uh, yeah. Anytime that's what you guys yeah. Okay, cool. Uh-huh. Thanks. First question for you, Michael. So it's a basic human need to want the approval of others, especially people that we look up to. Um, who are a couple of people that you look up to? Um, I would say uh, you and mom to start with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would say that there are uh, several of my teachers at school uh, who I look up to um, as well. Have you ever noticed yourself trying really hard to to get people's approval that you do look up to? Yeah, um, I would I would say definitely. Um, so let me ask this: What what does it feel like when uh, the person you need approval from is disappointed in you? If if that's happened at some point, uh, <laughs> it's it definitely never never feels good, uh, especially. Uh, when you're when you're trying to to earn their approval, obviously, um, and oftentimes like just kind of brings up that that idea of you know like self value kind of just making me think about that and 
question that sometimes. So to, to make this even probably a little more personal, um, which I'm sure you're really excited about, <laughs> <laughs> but from a, uh, a father-son relationship, because we are talking here mm -hmm. about disappointing God, and, yeah. and that, that relationship with God is very similar to a father-son. Um, I certainly know I've disappointed my kids, you know, and, and I mean, you just, none of us are perfect. Um, in times where I have disappointed you in the past, or I've been disappointed, I guess, in you, um, which I can't think of many, to be honest with you. <laughs> I can't, I really can't, but I'm sure there's been times maybe where even, you might have felt it, even if, if I was or wasn't, but um, was it was it ever a good thing which spurred you to, to work on something to be better, or was it typically a negative thing that really hurt your confidence? I'm just kind of curious. <laughs> I would say that uh, the times which I've, I, I would say that it's inspired the, uh, the most change, or that it's been the most beneficial, is times when I was doing something and I didn't, I didn't necessarily know if you were aware that I was doing it or not, but I knew that if you knew, mm -hmm. you would be disappointed in me. Yeah. Um, and like one example uh, was back in like seventh or eighth grade, uh, and I had been sneaking onto my uh, gaming system, uh, my DS, uh, after, after I'd been sent to bed. <laughs> um, and you know, for, for a while there was, there was a, a decent period of time where where I would do that pretty regularly um, but I I just felt like like both like, like that I should stop in part because I was like you know God doesn't want me doing this God doesn't want me going behind my parents back no. as well as thinking well you know if my parents found out they'd be so disappointed um, and so those the the combination of those uh, brought me to the point where where I did end up yeah, telling you I guys remember. about it yeah, um, and and coming clean about that and so I think for me it's it, it hasn't necessarily been the times when I've I've known that you've guys known about it or I've known that you guys have been you know disappointed or thought I could have do done better whatever it's been the times when I wasn't sure but I knew that you would be disappointed yeah well and that's something I've always admired about you and, and I know I've shared it with you but just caring about your faith um, and caring about your relationship with God because I think so much, so many times, especially for younger kids, you may have accepted Jesus as your savior, but then he's not necessarily your Lord and you don't really live in that way. And so for you to, to not only feel a little bit convicted, but then take action. But there's so, honestly, there's so many applications of what that, just the, what we just talked about because like you said, you, you weren't, we may not have known that you were doing something mm -hmm. wrong, um, but I think even beyond that, I think there are times when, like, we don't know necessarily if God is disappointed in us or not. Mm -hmm. um, but but based on how I, I can just tell, I know there's been times in my life where, like, there was one time where we were really struggling financially. In a, um, this is when I was married. We had I think at least two kids at the time. And I really wasn't doing anything wrong, but I started to wonder if, if I was. Like, mm -hmm. are we in this situation? Like, are things really hard right now because of me? Like, am I doing something wrong? And it's kind of, I think the enemy attacks us there and says, yeah, you're not good enough. You're mm -hmm. not doing enough. And it becomes about our works. And 
Um, any other thing that you would bring up that you felt like there was a time that I was disappointed in you? Like maybe where I actually knew that something, I expressed it. Um, I would say the only other thing that uh, that comes to mind is uh, is a while ago, um, like back when I was really young, and I, I know I've shared this story with you before, but I don't remember exactly what it was that I originally did, but um, I'd done something wrong uh, and was, you know, scolded for it or something, but I remember going going upstairs and uh, and beating myself up for it more than uh, more than you guys uh, were were scolding me uh, to the point where it was where I remember you coming up and uh, and actually being more upset with me for being <laughs> too harsh with myself um, than you actually were at what I originally did and so and I mean that's that's another big thing that comes to mind and I suppose that that kind of also goes with our with our relationship with God like when you mess up he wants you to to obviously confess to him but then he wants you to move on you know he doesn't want you to to dwell on your sin he doesn't want you to live in the past you know you're supposed to you're supposed to move forward and not let it beat beat you up obviously you're supposed to live with with the knowledge that you know you you made this mistake yes but that should be a motivating factor to not fall into that same sin pattern again, rather than you know dwelling on it and allowing yourself and allowing the devil to, to keep you from doing the Lord's work as a result. Yeah, yeah. The first popped up in my head that you know God doesn't give us a spirit of timidity or, or fear, but of, of power, love, and self-control. And and I think sometimes we screw up enough that we think we're not worthy of uh, being used by God, and it's just not true. Uh, so. Enough about me. <laughs> let's uh, let's ask you a couple of questions here. Have you ever felt like uh, like your dad, your your mom, your someone who you looked up to was disappointed in you, uh, whether that was as a child or even a mentor as of more recently? Yeah, I mean, when I when I try to, and I was thinking about this question before we did this. I mean, there was definitely times that I knew my parents and my dad, especially where I, I remember one time where I lied and my dad caught me in it and, and he got really mad. And I remember actually the impact of that was how serious lying was. Hmm. Like, I think if he would have just been a little upset and, and not said much and just said, yeah, don't lie or whatever, I think it probably wouldn't have impacted me. But I just remember like, wow, like he was really mad about me lying. Mm -hmm. And, and that disappointment, um, you know, taught me an important lesson. Mm -hmm. So, um, is, has there been uh, a time in your life, or, or multiple times, when you felt that, that you really were able to, to know and feel God's love uh, towards you? Yeah. You know, I, I, I'll never forget, and I've shared this a lot with people over the years, when I, it was, not too long after mom and I got married and I was running a business and a lot of my sin nature was coming out in full full glory <laughs> for all to see although I didn't think I, I thought I was hiding it pretty well but I just remember for a year or two there just repeatedly failing at, at, at these weaknesses that I had and the mm -hmm. sin that I had and 
and I just over and over and over again and you know there's a, a scripture pop in my head when you were talking about forgiveness a little bit ago um, where it, it talks about um, when Jesus said no you don't forgive someone seven times it's 70 times seven and that verse I, I remember came to like be very real to me at that t- time of my life because mm-hmm. I I just kept screwing up and I kept failing at the same thing over and over again and I was like wow the fact that God is is forgiving me and that didn't give me an okay just to keep doing it but I because I did feel extreme guilt over it I was like wow that is pretty amazing because I, I'm having a hard time forgiving myself for not being able so that was a huge growth um, or, or just a, a time when I think my relationship with God became very real and, and the concept of how screwed up I am and how much I needed him and his forgiveness. How about you? Same question. Uh, I would I would have to agree with you that the times that I've I've most felt God's love uh, towards me and in my life has been times right after I've messed up. Um, I think that's you know in part because you don't you can't really realize you know how how great God loves you until you realize you know how messed up and how sinful you are. Um, and just you know how how much he has to love you in order to put up with all your impurities, your flaws, mm-hmm. um, whatever it is. And I think that um, like worship uh, service, worship songs, worship messages uh, have been the the times at least recently where I've where I've most felt that. Usually uh, after God has you know convicted me of something, whether it be earlier in the sermon that Sunday, whether it be earlier in the week, you know, whenever it was, you know, uh, a worship song will come on to, to either end the Sunday uh, church service or to begin it sometimes, uh, and I'll, I'll just feel like that's speaking, you know, directly to me, and I'll feel like, you know, it, it, it will speak the truth of God's, of God's love, um, you know, to me. So in wrapping this up, I, I would say, if just to have, if you have any final comments that you want to throw out there, and if not, that's fine too. We can wrap this up. It's it's just good to be reminded that, you know, no matter uh, no matter what we do, God God still loves us, and you know he he can use what we've done, uh, you know, for His good and to bring about good in the world. Wow, I I thought that was um, really encouraging. Like you said, it it seemed like they were intentional about having that conversation, and the vulnerability that Michael had was encouraging because you typically think that teenagers aren't honest with that kind of stuff. But my favorite part was seeing the Holy Spirit's work in his life. Yeah, you know when he was talking about the DS where he he hit it. As parents, when we see poor behavior, we we try to nip it in the butt as fast as we can with every. I mean, and there's there's truth to that. There's benefits to that. But I think in this example, it's it's encouraging to see that the Holy Spirit works even when we don't. So the the Holy Spirit was just you know convicting him and saying, hey, this isn't the right thing to do. And there was fruit that came of it. And there was honesty that, you know, Michael had with his parents. And it was just cool to see. Yeah, totally. I was so blessed by the conversation too. I picked up the recording device from their house and drove home listening to it and had tears in my eyes a couple of mm. times just from the connection that they had. The 
I mean, you can still hear that it's kind of formal. They're just like reading yeah. the questions and asking them to each other. So it's not like um, the most natural conversation you've ever heard, but it's building muscles and yes. establishing, they're going to remember this conversation. Exactly. And it's establishing some relational depth that they, I'm sure they learn some things about each other. And so I think it's just fun. It's just so fun to hear those conversations and to hear a dad give some great advice and then to see the result of 17 years of great parenting yes. in Michael, where he's hungry for the Lord, growing, and he's really articulate too, so that helps for a podcast. But he's just, um, so hopefully, yeah, hopefully you guys are inspired by a really good example of a really deep conversation gone well. If your conversation with your kid doesn't go so well, tell us about it. We yes. would love to hear your stories about how these go. If you're ever wanting to be on the podcast, reach out to us and let us know. We're, we've got openings in the future for people who want to have a conversation on the podcast with their kids. Yeah, it was just, it was really fun. Thank you, Jason and Michael, for engaging in that. Yeah, it was a really encouraging conversation that is possible for all of us. I know I talk about this all the time, but this is a, you know, you, you talked about muscle building. This is something that we can do. It is not impossible. Yes, it can seem formal at times. And yes, there are laid out questions to ask, but I think that's good. And it's creating uh, fruit that we don't even know yet. So we are praying for you in this. Check out our show notes for specific examples of um, questions to ask from the kids' perspective as well as the adults' perspective. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Mm -hmm. This has been a great conversation. I've been enlivened by it and enriched by it. I hope right. that you share this with somebody who you think might be blessed by it. Kids of all ages could have this conversation. I'm looking forward to having the conversation with my kids. Yep. So share it, spread it far and wide. Go ahead and subscribe if you're not already. Feedback was awesome so that uh, we can show up first when somebody puts in like a parenting podcast right. or conversation podcast. So review us, subscribe, share it, and let us know if you have any questions. Until next time, have some beautiful conversations with your family. Bye. Right. Bye.